Our dear Heavenly Loving Father, um, Lord, thank you so much again for this wonderful Sabbath. Thank you for uh, being able to fellowship with our brothers and sisters. And thank you for um, letting us see the manifestation of the power of the Holy Spirit to teach us. That's uh, always wonderful, oh Father. And, you know, I prayed beforehand uh, for this. I, there's a lot of people that, that prayed a lot in order to put this together. And so I believe that your Holy Spirit is here with us. And that just we need, we need to uh, let him come into our hearts to actually just cleanse us from all unrighteousness and filthiness in order to receive your word. Please do that now, O oh Father. And um, me, whom you have chosen uh, this day to present this, is, is unworthy, Lord. I feel my unworthiness presenting this. And, but I believe, O oh Father, that even in my weaknesses, your strength is going to be made perfect. And that in whatever. Your strength is going to be made perfect. And that in whatever that I lack, O oh Lord, I'm asking and pleading that the Holy Spirit will fill that up, O oh Lord. May you be the only teacher. May the words that will come out of my mouth be the right words, O oh Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, guys. Continue to pray for me as we study the next study. Like I said, um, if you guys weren't here, this is not like the regular, common, not common, but like what you, use, what, what you usually hear when people present the mark of the beast. This is not that kind of study. This is a different kind of approach. This is only dealing with the mark of the beast. Usually, when people give the mark of the beast study, they combine it with the seal of God. Okay? Because basically, to understand the mark of the beast, you have to understand the seal of God. And the seal of God has three basic things. If you guys don't know that, you just basically have to know what a seal is. A seal is, you know, the circle thing, and it's, there's something written in it. And basically, it's the title, position, and um, territory. And the seal of God, basically, I'm just going to throw it out. Um, do some studies on your own. If you guys choose to go this way, um, the seal of God is the fourth commandment. It's a seal. Okay, because basically in the fourth commandment, you will find the title of God, the position of God, and the territory that is in. All right, and with that thought, um, the purpose of the study, we'll continue on with the mark of the beast. The purpose of the study is to show that at the end of times, the mark of the beast, I just uh, abbreviated it, M-O-V, uh, M-O-B, will be Sunday of Servants. Mark of the beast, is, I mean, the mark of the beast study is to show that at the end of times, the mark of the beast will be Sunday of Servants. Tip again, another tip. The purpose you don't have to say it all the time. Okay? That's just for you to know where you're actually trying to go. Okay? You don't have to say it all the time. Uh, the center it is basically main for us, but you can say it. You can say it. I mean, uh, you know, if you have, if you, I, I don't think I have any problem with that. But sometimes some, they, they will like, well, what do you mean Sunday of servants? Do I have the mark of the beast? Then all of a sudden you're already right in the middle of it. 
Okay? To show that, the mark, that at the end of times, the market of reach will be Sunday of servants. We have to center it in Christ. So to center it, Jesus is Lord. And we show our love, love through obedience. Because we're going to be talking about commandments. Jesus is our Lord. And we show our love through obedience. John chapter 14, 15. You can even put that in there. If you love me, keep my commandments. Okay, and let's begin our study. We'll start with Revelation chapter 1, verse 1. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 1. Do we have any readers? I think we have one. That's good. That's good. Okay, I'm, I'm going to just continue to pray, guys. We need your thinking caps in regards to this. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him, to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass, and he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. Okay. The Bible says that the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him, to show unto his servants. Okay. Question. This is the principle that we're trying to get from this verse. Question. Who gave the revelation to Jesus Christ? Who is it? God gave the revelation to Jesus Christ. Okay? Another question. Um, How should I form this? Okay. Why did... God gave the revelation to Jesus Christ, according to the verse. To show things which must, must shortly come to pass. Okay? So basically, we're trying to look at the purpose of the book of Revelation, according to this verse. Okay? So, uh, quickly, quickly, w- summarize what that means. Things which must shortly come to pass. The future. Things that will happen. Okay? All right. Another question. Oh, thank you, bro. God bless you. All right. Another question. How was this message communicated? What is the manner that is this message that this message was communicated? Okay, sent by an angel. What else? What else? Vision. Okay, according to the verse. Okay, so it was how? It was signified. That's where I'm trying to get at. So number one. Signified. So basically the purpose of the book of Revelation according to chapter 1 verse 1 is to show things that must shortly come to pass Signified. What does signified mean? What does the word sign mean? Symbols. Codes. Right? You communicate it in codes. Are we one with that? The purpose of the book of Revelation, according to chapter 1, verse 1, is to communicate things that will happen in symbols. That's what we want. Number one, that's what I will put. Communicate future in symbols. 
All right, right there and then, you, you, you got rid of something. Mark of the beast, it probably is a symbol. Okay? The thing with the mark of the beast is people think that it's a barcode. Or people think it's a tattoo of 666 on their forehead. And, and I, I, if you've seen news, there are people in Florida who says that he actually says that he's Jesus Christ. Forgot his name. He thinks he's Jesus Christ. And um, he says that the number 666 is the number of Jesus Christ. So he tattooed it all over his forehead, his neck. They have numbers of 666, his followers. And there's a lot of stuff about the mark of the beast. So we're good with Revelation chapter 1, verse 1. It's to show future things, signified, okay, codified in symbols. Then we go to the second verse, which is Revelation chapter 13, verse 15, 16, Read also 17 and 18, and then Revelation 14, 9 through 11. You're going to these two verses, the next two verses, to basically give them a, 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 um, a quick bird's eye view of what is going on regarding this mark of the beast. You guys, are, are we together with that? So you're just basically like surfacing through. That's what the purpose is, okay? In, in, in number two, the text number two, which is Revelation 13, 15 through 16 or through 18, and then Revelation 14, 9 through 11, just to get, give them the background of what's going on. Okay, brother, can we have you read that for me, please? And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred three score and six. All right. That's good. That's good. Can I have someone read Revelation chapter 14, verse 9 through 11? And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, if any man worship the beast in his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment shall ascend up forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night who worship the beast in his image and whoever receives the mark of his name. Thank you. Okay, so basically you're giving them an overview. So now we're going to go to Revelation chapter 13, verse 15 and, 15 and 16 is what I want. We, we, we kind of read too long. You can read 17 and 18 if you want. That's no problem. But when you get to that verse, you just ask them, oh, well, based on that text, based on the passage that we just read, what is going on? What, what, what's going on? Like what's in there? What do you see in there? And then he can identify there is a he... There's a beast, and then it seems like there is a mark that goes in forehead and hand. And then you walk them through, and you basically say, you, you ask them, so does it seem like they're, they're, they're um, imploring you to have the mark of the beast? Now I'm asking you, does it seem like they want you to have the mark of the beast, according to Revelation chapter 13, verse 15 and 16. Yes, because if you don't, they'll kill you. All right, they're encouraging the mark of the beast. That's what you want. So number two, you want to point out 
encouraging it. I'm just putting it, the mark of the beast. Okay? But you, I want you guys to point these things out. There's a he figure. There's a beast figure. There's actually an image. There's a mark. There's a forehead and a hand. Use your spiritual discernment if you want to take them for a ride on the whole background of the thing. The thing is, before you present the mark of the beast, you have to be familiar enough with Revelation chapter 13. Remember what I said? And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven having the everlasting gospel. You have to be familiar enough to know who the he is, which is basically the earth beast, and then there's the sea beast, and then there is an image to the beast, and there's a mark. So your homework, when you go home, before you give the study, read Revelation chapter 13, 16, like, no, no, six times. Just read it six times. It won't take much. Read, read it different versions. You know, but use mainly, um, some translation will slaughter this. Use um, New King James, King James. There's no problem. ESV, I like it with this. Uh, but like the NIV, sometimes they, they, they add some stuff into it. So, all right, we're clear on that. So what you want to point out, are they encouraging it? Yes, they're encouraging it. Now we go to Revelation chapter 14, verse 9 through 11, part of the uh, third angel's message. So again, you're just giving the overview of stuff. You're giving the overview of the crisis, the mark of the beast crisis. Okay? And according to Revelation chapter 14, verse 9 through 11, 11 hmm, is it encouraging it? Or discouraging it? Discouraging it. All right? But this time, who is discouraging it? It's God. Okay? I just want you to understand. I mean, that's what I would write on my note. You know, when you go back, um, write the questions that I'm asking. Like, is it, is, 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 is um, according to this passage is it being encouraged or being discouraged and the next time when you read your notes it says is it being discouraged oh i don't know just go back to the text you'll get the answer okay bible studies is good when it's like more like question and answer kind of thing you're making them think <clears throat> okay all right are we together yes or no amen amen all right now we go to the our next verse so just having this background, okay? Again, you have to be familiar with Revelation 13. If you want to take them for a ride, sometimes it will hinder you if you give them the whole background, but sometimes it helps, okay? It's a 50-50 thing. Five times out of 10, it will help. Five times out of 10, it will not help, okay? So use your spiritual discernment. Then we go to the next verse. We find out that it's being encouraged and discouraged. Hmm, there is a crisis Let's go to Revelation chapter 12 and 9. But before you go, yeah, go Revelation chapter 12, verse 9. Look, I want you to notice a point here. That's going to be your transition. I want you to notice a point before we actually discuss some more things about this mark of the beast. Let's go to Revelation chapter 12, verse 9. Knowing that in the background that the book of Revelation, its purpose is to communicate things in the future that must, short, that, that, that must shortly come to pass, 
in symbols. Okay? And then, Revelation chapter 12, verse 9. Okay, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. So the great dragon was cast out, the serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Okay. There is a serpent, and that serpent is who, according to the verse? The devil, Satan. And notice with me, what did Satan do? Write this in your notes. What did Satan do to the world? Deceives. Deceives. Okay? Um, maybe I should just write the questions. What did Satan do? And the answer is deceive. Okay, then you make them think now. Then you put on the thinking caps. Okay, knowing that you have the background that the Revelation is written, some are written in symbols. Okay, some are literal. There are symbols. Now that you have this background, um, you ask them, hey, Bob, or hey, um, brother, what, what, is, what, what does the word deceive mean? And now I'm asking you, what does the word deceive mean? Hmm? Lying to, like tricking you. And like when, when you're deceiving, do you like come out openly and deceive someone? You, you do it in a, in a subtle way, right? In a subtle way. Then you use logic. You use logos. At this point, um, look, according to Revelation 13, the mark is going to be in the right hand and in the forehead. Then we found out that Satan works in deception. Okay? Now, do you think, do you think that this mark is actually going to be put on the right hand and on your forehead, and you can actually deceive someone through that? No, probably not. Why? Well, basically, because if they put it on you, even though when you were sleeping, when you wake up in the morning, you look in the mirror, you have a mark right here. You'll see it. Okay? You will see it. Okay? And then you can ask them, as a transitional phrase, look, we're going to spend the next five minutes discussing about this mark of the beast. Okay. If, is it literal or is it symbolic? Okay? And how, so, so what if it's, they might ask, what if it's literal and symbolic? Like, how does that apply to me? Well, well if, if, what you call this? If it's about the end times and God is discouraging it and the beast is encouraging it and it talks about life and death situation, wouldn't you want to know if it's symbolic or literal? Okay, that's your transition. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you want to know if they're symbolic or literal? How did I um, put it here? Let me just read my notes. If I put anything here. Um, no, I just put if someone has a hand or, I mean, if someone has a mark or a barcode in their hand or their forehead, could they be deceived into getting that? No. But then we find out that the devil operates in deception. So it probably is not a literal mark. Then we will go to the next verse. So what, what does it mean then to have a mark on your forehead or on your hand? 
And let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5 through 8. And I have a lot of advanced texts that you guys can go to. We'll spend time on one of them. And I think we have some pictures. Okay, so Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5 through 8. I'll read together. Are we good? Are we understanding this? All right, well, praise the Lord. All right, just continue to pray, continue to pray. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5 through 8. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontless between your eyes. All right. Thank you. Beautiful. All right. Notice with me Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5 through 8. God says that you shall love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all your mind, and these words which I commanded unto thee. And then he talks about um, thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand in verse 8. And they shall be as frontlets between thine eye. Okay, you, let's go back to verse 5, okay? Verse 5. God is actually, I mean, the Bible is talking about God's law. In verse 5 and 8. Now I'm going to ask you a question. The Bible talks about, you can add this text in there. The Bible talks about that your, the, the law should be written in in your heart and also in the mind, right? Okay, now you can ask this question to them, which is the same question I'm going to ask you. Does God really mean, um, wait, what's a better question? Was God literally desiring his people to literally attach his loss to their hands? According to the verse, was God actually saying, Attach the law to your hands and attach the law in your forehead. No, right? So that's the question that you guys want in this. Did God mean it literally? Like, does, does God really want you to, to have an open heart surgery and somehow tattoo all the Ten Commandments in your heart? Or does it, is it symbolic? And then you bring him back to the text and the text says, in, and, um, and these words which I I'm on verse 6, And these words which I, ha I commanded thee this day shall be in thy heart, and thou shalt teach them and, and, um, diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when, we, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thy hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thy eyes. And then let's go to Exodus chapter 13, verse 16 and 9, which is basically the same thought. I just want to discuss that really quick. Exodus chapter 13, verse 16 first, which is the same thing. It shall be token, it shall be for a token upon thine hand and for, for frontlets between thine eyes. For by strength of hand, the Lord brought us out forth of Egypt. And then verse 9, And it shall be a sign unto thee upon thine hand and for a memorial between thine eyes, that the Lord's law may be in thy mouth. For with a strong hand hath the Lord brought thee out of Egypt. Okay, now we're clear on that. 
God does not really want you to have the law tattooed in your arm or in your hand. God does not want the law actually tattooed in your heart. Okay, now why does, I mean, so what, what does the hand actually mean? But before that, um, some people actually take that literally. Jews back then, uh, the people of God, actually took that literally. And they actually put these things called um, phylacteries, you know, like by their eyelids. You know, they, they, have, so they, have, they literally have the law like in between their the, between their eyes. And by the way, between the frontlets of your eyes, it's basically your forehead. Okay? And then, do we, if, if the picture is not working, then we're good. You can look at the picture later. Yeah, yeah, you, go ahead, show it. Okay, and then you go, thank you, brother. So after this, we know that, hey, God probably did not mean it literally. Just be, I just want you to be aware that some people actually take that literally. But the Bible does not say that because it talks about the heart also. Okay, then you ask them, they say, no, I don't think it means literally. So what does he mean then? What does he mean? Okay, and you can take them all throughout these texts. Basically, what the hand means. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10. I'm going to go there really quick, and I'm going to read it. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10. And you'll notice with me. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave whither thou goest. So basically, what does he mean then? Well, the hand, we just looked at Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10, and it meant something that you do. Okay? Something that you do. So hand represents something that you do. Do. Okay? So by implication, the heart means something that you feel, that is in you emotionally. Okay? Are we together? Are we together? Um, God's, what God really meant is basically for you to allow God's law to be part of your life in whatever you do, in the way you think. Forehead. Okay? We're clear on that? Just get, just, just get that understanding for this study. All right? So we have this. We showed the purpose of the book of Revelation. We showed them the background. And then we showed that, hey, Satan works in deception, man. It, it can't be literal. Now, we're on this verse. We just showed that the heart, I mean, the, the hand represents things that you do, and forehead, basically, is a representation of mind or how you think. Good stuff? All right, then, from that, let's go to Romans chapter 6, verse 16. And that's, that verse is actually a very good verse for this study. That, that, that verse is the bomb. The bomb. Romans chapter 6, verse 16. All right, I'm, just, I'm taking my time because this is not like your original study, and you have, I, I want you guys to understand it before you guys even walk out of here. Okay? Um, 
All right, can someone uh, read Romans chapter 6, verse 16 for me, please? Do we have a reader? Oh, uh, I don't, he's not here. I'll, I'll just basically, oh, okay. Brother? Romans chapter 6, verse 16, which is you, our sixth text. Go ahead, brother. Do you not know that that to whom you present yourself slaves to obey, you are that one slaves to whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or obedience or of obedience leading to righteousness? All right. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So the Bible talks about servant. The question that you want to br- bring out of here to get the principle is this. According to the Bible, what makes you someone's servant? According to the Bible, specifically to Romans chapter 6, verse 16, what makes you someone's servant? Obey. Act of obedience. That's what you want. That's what you want there. What makes you servant? Act of obedience. You guys got that? Do you guys got that? Act of, of obedience. Okay. Let's have some illustration. Um, for example, this is the same illustration that they, they gave me. So bear with me. Uh, for example, all right? I walk in here, and then my, my, my good buddy here, Eric, he tells me, man, JR. That suit looks so bad on you, man. That brown suit is nasty. Plain nasty, all right? I want you tomorrow when you come back to wear a black suit, man. The black suit will totally suit you. Okay? And then I have my girlfriend over there, and she's like, Anchel, didn't mean to embarrass you, but I have my girlfriend over there, and she tells me, nah, man, your, your coat is fine, man. Like, you know what? Tomorrow, just, just come with the same coat. You look so good in that coat. Okay? You look so good in that coat. And then the next day, I come, and I'm wearing the same coat. Question. Who am I a servant to? <laughs> All right, question. Answer it. Who am I a servant to? My girlfriend's. What makes me, how do you see it? How, how do you see that I am a servant to my girlfriend? Because I followed her through the act of obedience. Through my act of obedience, I am a servant to her. That's what you want to draw out to that text. So you can have that illustration for your notes. You can put it illustration, pants, or suit. I use suit. Okay, let me see if um, we still want to draw something out of this. All right, so now we got that principle. Also, you kind of want to draw it out now. You kind of review things. Remember, tell them what you're going to tell them. Tell them again what you're going to tell them and review everything, okay? Now that you get this, you kind of get the, the, the review. Okay, so like in principle, man, there are only two sides, Right? Who you are going to choose to obey. 
Okay? And you know, it, it not only happened during this time when Paul was writing this. It also happened during the time of Adam. Now, if it happened during the time of Adam and it happened during the time of Paul, you think it's going to happen again today? Yes. Write that down in your notes. Yes, it's going to happen. Okay? So that's the principle we want to draw out. Um, just basically, your external actions, your act of obedience makes you a servant of someone. Okay? And then we're going to go to the next verse. So having this thought, you know, even, I mean, that's, we talked about Satan a while ago. Let's, let's look a little deeper again into his motives. Okay? Matthew chapter 4, verse 9 and 10. Matthew chapter 4, verse 9 and 10. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Amen. Amen. Thank you. I think we also had this text before. I think so. So they'll, they'll be familiar with it. Um, Matthew chapter 4, verse 9 and 10. Jesus, now, now notice with me, okay? The verse that we really want here is, hmm. Oh, I'm not in Matthew chapter, yeah, chapter 4, verse 9 and 10. Is verse 10, okay? We talked about act of service. I mean, we talked about being a servant to someone, which is basically, you know, an act of obedience makes you a servant to someone. And then we go to verse 10. You can give the background that it's Satan trying to tempt Jesus. And what Satan actually wants is worship. They're familiar with that. Worship. Ah, oh, I remember that. This whole thing is about worship. Okay? If not, you explain it to them. This thing is about, well, you'll explain it to them later on. Now, notice with me in verse 10. Okay? Jesus saith unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, the Bible says, or Jesus says, For it is written, Thou shalt worship, that's what the word that you want, worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou, what's the word? Serve. Somehow, Jesus correlates what word to serve? Worship. Worship. Now you're back on track. Worship. That's the principle that you want to take out, out of that text. Okay? Because basically, who you choose to serve now, you can make an explanation, is the one you worship. Are we clear? All right. Now you can, you can ask. Um, if you worship the way Satan tells you to worship, whether how, when, uh, uh, this is just a thought. Okay, if you choose to obey Satan in, in the way he tells you to worship, whether how, when, what, what does that mean? That you are? Obeying Satan, therefore you are serving Satan, worshiping Satan. All right. Okay. Another question, just, just to, to, to make it clear to you guys. If Jesus had obeyed to worship Satan, what is he doing? He's serving Satan. 
serving Satan. So we got the point. We got the point. I'm just trying to make sure we got the point. I see some nodding. You know, I, I, yeah, I see some nodding. Amen. Amen. All right. Now let's go to the next verse. Okay? And from this point, I think we can point out stuff about this mark of the beast. About this mark of the beast, we can point out some stuff. And let me see. Yeah, I think we can. Um, so let's look at what we have so far. You can tell them. Let's look at what we have so far. All right. From here. Okay. Now, you know what? Let's just do this later. But you, you guys, when, when, when I reveal it to you, when I tell you what it is, you guys can use it anytime. All right? Let's go to Revelation chapter 13, verse 15 and 16, and then Revelation chapter 14, verse 7. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads. Okay, and then verse 14 and 7, verse 7, chapter 14, verse 7. Saying with a loud voice, fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment is come. And worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the foundations of waters. All right. Now, with everything that you have, with everything that you have, then you have the background of worship. Worship wasn't there before. Now, we went to this text to see the issue is worship. Okay? The issue is worship. And there is actually, if you read Revelation chapter 13, verse 15 and 16, those both, both verses are called to worship. Verse 15, it says, And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. If you don't worship, you're going to get killed. Okay, that's one call of worship. Verse 16, And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. Knowing that the mark in the right hand is something that you do, and in regards to something that you do for someone correlates with you worshiping that per person, it's a call of worship. It's a call of worship. That's powerful, man. Like two calls of worship, two calls for worship, same beast. I mean, this guy is just craving for worship. Okay, and then Revelation chapter 14, verse 7, it says, saying with a loud voice, fear God and give glory to him for the, oh wait, chapter 14, verse 7, right? Yeah. For the hour of his judgment is come. Worship him that made heaven and earth, the sea, fountains of water. So there are two opposing things. God wants to be worshipped, and then this beast wants to be worshipped. Okay? And then with that thought also, let me ask you, what must you do according to verse 13, I mean chapter 13, verse 15 and 16, according to this chapter, what must you do in order to avoid being killed? have to receive the mark of the beast. It's kind of like coerced. You know? It's kind of like coerced. So you, get, you can point that out. In this verse, you can point out that the difference of call of worship. Okay? Would you want to worship something if that something says if you don't do it, it will kill you? It actually says that it will and it can kill you. Like, no, man. That sucks. Right? And then you can point out the difference 
between, you know, like, and then for God, you can just basically say, hey, remember Jesus? There's, I remember this story, man. In Jesus, like, Jesus was talking to this rich man, and this rich man was asking, you know, what should he do, you know, in, in regards to uh, inheriting the kingdom of heaven, worshiping God. And Jesus says, just basically, um, you know, sell everything. I mean, you know, just take away everything. Take away all your properties. And then the rich man he did not do it, and Jesus did not, like, tackle him and says, no, you have to get it out now. No, you have to worship, all right? See, see the mark difference? The mark difference. Just point that out. It might be something that, that's interesting to them, like, oh, God is not coercing us. Hence, love. Okay? Uh, let me see. I'm trying to see if uh, I still want something from this. All right? Verse 16, again, we, we, we saw that the right hand and forehead, and then... We talked about, it just again, re- repeat it to them. The meaning of the hand, the meaning of the forehead. Okay? And then we get a review. Now we'll review what we have so far in regards to the clues for the mark of the beast. So in verse 8, we'll get a review. All right, let's, let's review really quick what we have, okay? So according to the book of Revelation, it's, it's I mean, Revelation chapter 1, verse 1, the purpose is to communicate things that will come to pass in symbols, okay? And then we went and saw the crisis, and then it talked about this mark of the beast. Now we have clues for this mark of the beast. And that one clue is that mark is symbolic. Okay? That mark is symbolic in a sense that that mark is an act of obedience, All right, number two, there are two calls of worship. Whose call of worship we obey will identify or will identify us. I mean, um, there are two calls of worship and whose call we obey will identify us who we worship. Okay, and then you can use that word interchangeably. All right. Then we'll go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1 to 3. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1 to 3. And a good transition basically is, um, look, let's, let's, let's look deeper into this Antichrist. We'll, we'll describe him even further. Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him, we ask you, brothers, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by some prophecy report or letter supposed to the Lord has already come. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for the day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. All right. Thank you, son of perdition. Uh, verse 4? Oh, no, it's just verse 3. We can just quit it on verse 3. Uh, you can explain verse 4. You can go to verse 4, review of the Antichrist. All right, now we're going to this verse, basically kind of like to show the same thing as we showed the Antichrist. Falling away, can you fall away from something if you weren't really there? No. Can you be divorced when you were, if you weren't ever married? No. Okay? So it just shows the closeness, the closeness of the Antichrist to um, Jesus Christ. And at this point, they're comfortable, Antichrist, um, basically... You can tell them the beast is Antichrist. You have to know that background, that the beast 
is Antichrist. Remember we had that, 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 that talk a while ago that the beast and the Antichrist, I mean the, the little horn and the beast, the sea beast, is exactly the same thing. They reigned for the same time. They, they um, came out of the same um, power. And it's just basically the same thing. All right, now that we know this the same thing, let's go back. Son of perdition. Who is the son of perdition? Judas. Okay, the Bible describes only one, I mean, it, it mentions it one other time, and that's only in John chapter 17. Judas is the son of perdition. Okay, now how, what in the world, how does it relate with, in regards to the Antichrist? Well, basically, this Antichrist is somehow a Christian institute. And we learned that last study. Remember, Bob? It's Christian. It's Christian. Now, if this man of sin is a Christian, this beast is a Christian, wouldn't his mark be a Christian mark also? All right, all right. That's that's where we um, that's what we want from that. If the if 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 the Antichrist, if the sea beast is Christian, then won't his mark be something in regards to Christianity also? Are we clear? Are we clear? Are we good? Are we, it's, it's quiet. I, I don't like it, but I'm just trying to explain it the way, you know, that I think you guys can actually understand. I, I mean, I'm working, the Holy Spirit is really working. I can see. I can see, man. This is, this is good. All right. So um, another question that you might ask, you know, to get the whole concept is, all right, question. Did Judas violently oppose Jesus. All right, no. Answer is no. All right? Then, huh, maybe this mark of the beast will not violently oppose Jesus. And then you bring him back to Revelation chapter 12, verse 9. Remember, Satan works how? Through deceit. Okay? So it's subtle. Counterfeit, total, total counterfeit. Okay, the Antichrist here is called the son of perdition. I got that. Uh, I think I got, I, got, I got most of the points on that one, on that verse. Just trying to see if I can get, throw you in some more information in regards to this verse. All right, we're good, we're good, we're good. We're right on track. Oh, by the way, if they, they, they ask you, uh, you, you mean son of perdition? I mean, is that really Judas? Well, most people will actually know that. Like, Judas is the betrayer. He betrayed Jesus Christ. That's not a problem, especially if you're studying with other Christians. But some people would need evidence. You're going to have to. You're going to have to show them how Jesus actually betrayed. I mean, betrayed Jesus Christ. You can show them to John chapter 17, verse 10. And it doesn't really say that that son of perdition, when Jesus was praying was really Judas. It doesn't say that Judas is the son of perdition. But you have to be able to explain that. The way I would explain it, I was like, I would just show them, look, that's the way Jesus, Judas betrayed Jesus Christ with a, with a kiss, an act of friendship. And then after that, he called him master. Somehow, like, subtle. Very, 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 very subtle. Okay? 
All right, now we will go. I think that is that why I put John chapter 17, verse 12 there? Yeah, John chapter 17, verse 12. That's just to explain Judas is son of perdition. All right, that's good. That's good. That's good. And then we, get, we actually are going to the last point. You can end your study there if you choose. I will give you the explanation for the rest of the verses, okay? Because basically, we are trying to um, get points in regards to uh, the mark of the beast. When we get to Revelation chapter 14, verse 9 through 11, we're trying to like, identify the um, characteristics of it. And then we'll write it down again here. Okay. Revelation chapter 14, verse 9 through 11. And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast in his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of wine and of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascended up forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night. Who worship the beast and his image, and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. All right. Thank you. And um, can you read verse 12 also, please? Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the, the faith, faith of, of Jesus. Jesus. Okay. We're going to this verse. Basically, we have a main point, but then um, we, we ask them this question. Okay, I want to ask you this question again, just to make it clear. Is God encouraging or discouraging the mark of the beast, receiving the mark of the beast? He's discouraging it. Now, let me ask you this question. I mean, let me give you this thought. I mean, if it's safe for me to say this. God would not want us to avoid the mark if he wanted us to receive it, right? Right? Okay? And in the text, God doesn't, but the thing is, in the text, God doesn't tell us what the mark of the beast really is. Okay? God does not tell us in the text what the mark of the beast really is. But he shows it by telling us what it is not. Are you guys catching my point? We'll give an illustration. Okay? So in this text, God doesn't show Or tell us what it is, but he suggests, but he suggests to us by telling us what it is not. And you will find that in verse 12. That's why I separated it. You will find that in verse 12. Basically, how do we get it? Well, here comes, here's the angel of God. He's saying, don't receive the mark of the beast. Don't receive the mark of the beast. If you receive the mark of the beast, you'll be tormented. You will be tormented for, um, in the presence of the Lamb, in the presence of the holy angels, and in the presence of the Lamb. And um, then he ends it with verse 12. I mean, yeah, verse 12. Here's the patient of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. 
He's just basically telling us how not to receive it by telling us, keep the commandments. Okay? Um, and quick illustration. Like, for example, um, what's your name, brother? Clark. Clark. All right, my brother Clark over here. All right, this is, like, he's over here. He's just, you know, he's taking notes. He's taking notes, and you guys are, are, are listening. And then suddenly I punch him, and I tell him, uh, and I tell you guys, don't do that. <laughs> Can you know? Like, will you understand what to do by just simply telling you, don't do that? And then, I, and then later on, I made another illustration, and I, 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 I come up to Clark and, like, hey, what's up, brother? Hey, would you like some money? You know, or, or like give him like something like water. Do you want water? And, I, you know, I'm giving him water and doing all this kind of stuff. And I say, do that. Like by telling you that, will you be able to understand what not to do? Yeah, totally. Right? So that's the illustration that we can use on that. Okay, you can even like have him, like for example, like this. You know, you can have him like in a chair and stuff like that and, and, and like, Look, if I started punching you and punching you and punching you and I tell you, don't do that to anyone else. Okay? So basically, what will you do? Well, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm going to be better, a better person to, to other people. I'm not going to, like, harm them. So they know. Okay? That's basically the point that we're trying to get at here in verse 12. And then we'll get the, the, the review. All right? So basically, when God says, here are the patience of the saints, here are they that keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus. So basically, not, in order for you to not receive the mark of the beast, you can do one thing, and that's to keep the commandments of God. Keep the commandments of God. Okay? And then we show them, we, we, we ask, I mean, we um, give them three logical points in regards to mark of the beast. All right, number one, we learned that it is symbolic, which we reviewed a while ago. It just basically means an act of obedience. That's what the mark means. And then we went to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And we found out that, it is some, that, that this Antichrist is somewhat of a Christian. And because it is a Christian, then somehow... We know that apparently this mark of the beast is a Christian act. Okay, and number three, it's contrasted with the Ten Commandments. Are you guys understanding this study? Please let me know by saying amen. Ah, that's good. That's good. That's good. See, with this, the thing is, you know, when, when, when you give this study, like if I would give this study, at least you're not pounding them with two things right away. You know, you're just settling down one thing, just the mark of the beast. Then you can have the study later on for, for uh, the seal of God. You, you're not pounding them with two doctrines right away and they're like, man, I can't even understand the seal of the beast. Now you're pounding me with mark of the beast. I mean, seal of God, and then now you're pounding me with mark of the beast. I'm sorry. All right, do you guys get what I'm saying? But if this, you know, this is pretty logical. And then, from this, we read quotes. We can read quotes, or we can continue on with this. And this is basically just the Daniel 7 study, only you're doing the Revelation 13 study. Okay? 
So you can basically, if you want, if you have time, because sometimes when you're giving study, you'll find the talkers. Sometimes you'll find someone who's just, yeah, man, like, oh, hey, yeah, yeah, I understand. All right, next verse, next verse. Then you, you're able to go through in like 30 minutes. You're done. But then you'll find someone that, that like, you start off with, with man, dude, this part going to be, I'm so scared of that. What is that, man? Like, and then they start to talking to you, and before you know it, you, you're like past the hour, and you're only on like verse 12, I mean the fourth verse. Okay? So use your spiritual discernment. These, again, are extra ammos for you guys to have. Just in case, okay? Just in case. So if you have time, basically, you tell them, Mark of the Beast is the Mark of the Beast. Meaning, if you identify the beast, then it's easier for you to identify his mark. Right? The Mark of the Beast is the Mark of the Beast. It's that simple. Then we identify who the beast is. And um, I don't know how much time do I have, but, you know, just a quick review probably of, that, of, the, of those verses. Chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. Um, again, you have the beast, the beast and then the kingdom. Remember, you show them Daniel chapter 7, verse 17. Beast means kingdoms or nations. Okay. And then, are you guys familiar with Revelation 13? Well, I, I haven't gotten, I didn't get any nods, but we'll just, we'll just get through it really quick. And verse 13, um, chapter 13, verse 1 and 2, it says, And I stood upon the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns. Right there, he might recognize about oh, ten heads, oh, seven heads. Oh, maybe because this one beast like cut off seven, uh, the th- three other kingdoms. Okay, and upon his horns, ten crowns, and you want to point out in this study, upon his heads, the name of blasphemy. And we talked about that. The name of blasphemy. Okay, so that's what you want here. Blasphemy. And also, and the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as a mouth, I mean, were, were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him his power and his seat and authority. Okay, basically there's this dragon that 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 gave him. So you want the blasphemy, dragon, and then amalgamated animal. It's weird. Okay? Right here, they're comfortable with symbols. Very comfortable with symbols. And just tell me what it means. You know, that, that, that kind of stuff. All right? So blasphemy, we know what blasphemy is. is and then we're going to go here, Revelation 13.5, to describe that later. Okay? And then dragon, dragon gave him this power. Well, what did we know about uh, the little horn? Where, what, what kingdom did it come from? Rises out of? Little horn, talking about little horn. Rome, Rome, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did I do a good study on that? I mean, did God help us on that study? Yeah, now it came out of Rome. So basically, huh, how is that somehow? I mean, the Bible says the dragon, it's the dragon who actually gave the power to the beast. It's Satan who gave the power to the beast, which represents the little horn. It doesn't connect. How does that connect? Okay, well, basically, you you can take them to Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12. And if you read Revelation chapter 12, there is a setting, okay? Revelation chapter 12, verse... Let me see. 
13. 13. Chapter 12, verse 13. And when the dragon saw that he was cast out onto the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. Oh, wait. Where is that? No. Verse 2. Chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. I'm sorry. Chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. To explain that the dragon, uh, I mean the dragon giving the, this beast a power. Okay? And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she, bring with she, is be she, being with child, cried, travailing in birth, meaning like he's, she's in labor, okay, and pain to be delivered. Pain to be delivered. And, and notice with me in verse 3, who is there? And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and what is it? The great red dragon, having seven heads, Ten horns, seven crowns upon his heads, and his tail through the third part of the snake. And then you go, um, you verse 5, and she brought, uh, verse 4, and his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. Okay, and then verse 5, and she brought forth a man child who was to rule all nations with a rod. Of iron. Question Who is this man child? Who is this child that this woman's? It's Jesus. Yeah, I agree. But how do you know it's Jesus? The woman is the church? How, how clearly? Well, maybe because, um, what you call this? He was supposed to rule? <laughs> no, uh, the rod of iron. Rod of iron. If you go to Revelation chapter 19, verse 15, I believe. Revelation chapter 19, verse 15 describes Jesus Christ ruling with the rod of iron. Okay, now that you know the background, um, it says that what, what this dragon, it says that what, what is he trying to do with this man-child before it was born? He was trying to what? Devour this child, meaning kill this child. Now, when Mary was pregnant and about to give birth with you know, about to give birth to Jesus Christ, was there a literal dragon waiting to, like, grab Jesus Christ and eat him? No. But there was a decree made by King Herod to actually slay kids two years and below. Right? So in a sense, this dragon, yes, it's Satan, but in another application, this dragon, this, this Satan is working through King Herod, which is at that time under the jurisdiction of the Roman Empire. So that to explain that, basically the dragon is Rome, giving power to papal Rome. The dragon is pagan Rome, giving power to papal Rome. Are we, are we together? All right. And then you explain, you explain this amalgamated beast. Why amalgamated beast? Huh. Leopard, looks like a leopard, has the feet of a bear, has a mouth of a lion. Huh. Why? Well, basically, you take them back to Daniel, I mean, Daniel chapter 7. The animals, animals. Then you explain this to them. Okay. All right. So this represents this, 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 that. Babylon, lion, um, Middle Persia, bear, Greece, leopard. Okay. You know, you know what's fascinating about history? It's like during the time of the Babylonians when they conquered Jerusalem, you notice Daniel was alive? Like, this is what happened. 
They conquered it, and they did not kill everybody. There was no mass genocide. Basically, you got Jews living in Babylon. And then, Middle Persian Kingdom comes, takes over Babylon, and then we read in Daniel chapter 8 that Daniel was still alive. So there is no mass genocide. No mass genocide. Now, that, now, now, now in the kingdom of Middle Persia, there are Babylonians living in there because there was no mass genocide. Same thing happened in Greece. And before you know it, your kingdom is filled with Babylonians, filled with Middle Persians, filled with Greeks, hence amalgamated animal. Did it click? Good, good. All right, same thing, same thing. So you want to point that out. Um, again, that's just if you decide to actually go that far. Okay, we can just end the study here um, and then read quotes. And then the blasphemy, and I think Revelation chapter 13, verse um, 8 and 7, um, it talks about persecution, persecuting power. Persecuting power. Okay, and then we have quotes for that, persecuting power. I will read some of those quotes right now. And then chapter 13, verse 15 through 17. <clears throat> oh, no, this is like the last text. That's just, that's just a review for them. You just want to review that to them. All right, are we clear on that one? Are we clear? Okay, so now if you want to end the study, you have to go history. You have to go back in history. To prove them. Okay, now we're going to read some quotes. So it's, 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 it's a symbolic, it's, it's an act of obedience. It's basically a Christian act. And it's contrasted within the Ten Commandments. Alright, and then we're going to read some quotes. If I can find my quote over here. Alright, let me see. Question. Which is the Sabbath day? Answer. This is found in Converts Catechism of Catholic Doctrine. Answer. Saturday is the Sabbath day. Question. Why do we observe Sunday instead of Saturday? Answer. We observe Sunday instead of Saturday because the Catholic Church transferred the solemnity from the Saturday to Sunday. And then right there and then you got him. Okay, I'm going to read another quote and then we're going to end the study. Um, what you call this? Uh, this is found in... Uh, this is actually a statement of a bishop. The church, on the other hand, after changing the day of rest from the Jewish Sabbath or seventh day of the week to the first, made the third commandment refer to Sunday as the day to be kept holy as the Lord's day. The Council of Trent condemns those who deny that the Ten Commandments are binding on Christians. And then that's, oh, that's actually found in Catholic Encyclopedia. And then you just read more quotes in regards, and then you read quotes that if you don't obey the, the, the Sunday worship, they can actually send you to the flames. Okay, and all that stuff. And then you end the, that study there. And then, but then you have to land the plane in regards to your appeal. You have to land the plane. You review everything in regards to Mark of the Beast, and you make sure they understand this. They understand this. Okay, and then after that, um, look, you explain to them, all right, I forgot to tell you. You explain to them, like, hey, in regards to Sunday worship and stuff like that, like, is Sunday, like, totally opposing Saturday, which is God's commandments, which just basically connects to this? And then they'll say yes, and then it's going to be clearer. And then you ask them, so is the study clear? And then, yeah, yeah, it's clear. It's clear. 
All right, well, you know, right now, I want you to know, while you review this, right now, um, like, this, this thing is not happening yet, okay? It's not happening yet. Uh, there is no one telling you to worship on Sunday and pointing a gun at your head. There's no one pointing a gun at your head telling you to worship on Sunday. But see, the principle here is the decision that you make today makes you the person, I mean, makes you who you, uh, what's, what, the, 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 the decision that you make today will turn you into the person who you, will, who you are tomorrow. Do you guys get what I'm saying? I'm, I'm babbling. The, the decision that you make today will affect your character tomorrow. Okay, so why, I mean, isn't it smart to just basically start, you know, obeying God now, which will make it easier for you to obey Him later when this is enforced? And then for the appeal, you can give them a story. I'm done now. Uh, for the appeal, you can just tell them a story, and that story is basically, um, you know, I, 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 there's a story, man. There's, there, there's this one guy. You know, he's caught up between two wars. He's caught up between two wars. But the thing is, he had a relative in each side of the war. And even though this war is between relatives, he knows what the right thing is. He knows what the right thing um, he knows the right thing to do, the right side. He knows which one is the right side, but he doesn't want to pick a side. He just refuses to pick a side. So what he does is, you know, in this war, they have flags. And so what he does is he gets a flag, okay? And on that flag, on this side, he puts on the, their flag. And then... He tapes the, the flag of this other side on, that, on, on their side. So that basically when he runs towards the thing, they'll see, oh, that's, that's, those people are on our side. And they will stop shooting each other. All right? And so he does that, and everybody stops shooting each other. Now he sits down. And yes, and, and, and he's happy. He's like, yeah, finally, the war is over. But unfortunately for him, the wind blows the flag and switches it around so that the opposing side will see the opposer's flag. And all of a sudden, they shot him and he died. And the principle that we want to get here in the appeal is, look, if you don't choose a side, you're choosing a side. You're choosing a side. If you don't choose a side right now, you're choosing a side. Right? Now, is this study, Mark of the Beast, clear for you? If he says yes, and then you ask him, is there anything that would keep you to choose a side? And then there goes your appeal. Thank you so much. Any questions? Maybe we'll deal with it later because we don't have time. Uh, I'll be here. I'll be talking to you guys. But before that, let's bow our heads for a quick word of prayer. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, yeah. In regards to amalgamated beasts, philosophies, and everything is there. So let's bow our heads for a quick word of prayer. Our dear Father in heaven, Lord, thank you so much for um, just giving us a lot of truths today. And we learned about the mark of the beast, oh Father. We learned that in the appeal that um, our characters are actually decided day by day, oh Father. And may you help us, because it says in the spirit of prophecy, oh Lord, that Whatever choices we make today will either prevent us 
or allow us to receive your seal. And Father, help us to receive your seal. Help us to choose to receive your seal. Thank you so much, O Lord. Bless the people who are in here. Help them to actually just be a light unto the world. Thank you again for being with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.